Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Glad to be with you. Lots of stuff to discuss in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Just a reminder, if you're interested, you want to be part of the show, please uh, comment on the Periscope or Facebook Live feed, or you can give the show a call. The number here is 732-364-3598. So, uh, I was thinking about the weekend in the National Football League. There's a couple things you could take out of it, which I'll touch on in a little bit. Uh, Blake Griffin returning to Los Angeles as a visiting player for the Detroit Pistons I thought was interesting, so I'm going to bring that up in a little bit. And if we have time, I'm going to go over my Hall of Fame ballot as it applies to the upcoming vote in, uh, in Major League Baseball. And obviously a very uh, interesting one, just like it is every year. We'll probably get back into the Hall of Exclusion, but to start out, the first thing I wanted to thank everybody who has tuned in at a past ball show and just kind of made made this you know fun for me again. And it's great to know that there's a lot of people tuning in, whether it's through Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, um, even even those that tune in through Facebook Live and Periscope. Um, you guys all mean a lot to me, and it's great interacting with you and just just. To be part of your lives, and uh, you know, I'm as part of your lives as much as you are part of mine. So I was thinking about the upcoming potential conclusion that we are seeing or may see with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And uh, yeah, sure, you could talk about what it means to the teams that could end up signing them, whether it's the Phillies signing Bryce Harper, whether it's the White Sox signing Manny Machado. And if you're looking at the grand scheme of things and you want the latest report, you know, where are they going to go? Those probably seem like the two favorites for those particular players. And I think those are important things to discuss and bring up. But the most important thing that should be brought up right now is the fact that so many teams in Major League Baseball just seem to be I don't know what it is. You know, you got players that are entering their age 26 season that are right about to enter the prime of their career. And whether it's a Harper or Machado, any one of the 30 Major League Baseball teams could look at one or both of those players as an absolute upgrade for what it is that they have right now. And so many teams are just saying, hey, forget about it. It doesn't matter. Just hey, we're going to move on and we're going to look at other players that may be able to fill different needs in regards to our the construction of our roster. And you've got players like this that have the ability to transcend a franchise. You have players like this that have the chance to turn a losing team into a winning team, a team that is playoff ready around the fringe of making the playoffs into a World Series contender. And teams are shying away. So what's the reason? Is it all about money? Are teams just not wanting to invest any significant money when it comes to a big-time player in Major League Baseball, no matter how talented they are, no matter how young they are? Are teams burnt because of the likes of a contract of Alex Rodriguez or Albert Pujols or Robinson Cano? We're talking about players that are going to be paid pretty handsomely into the early part of their 40s. Well, those are decisions that were made then. You're talking about a difference right now with Machado and Harper. 
And the thing that's got to piss you off if you're a fan of a team that's not in the running or is not showing any love when it comes to either one of these two players is what is it that your particular franchise that you root for is looking for? Because if these players are not getting you at least intrigued to where you want to meet with him and possibly, I don't know, find a middle ground or at least submit some sort of offer to bring one of these players in and have them transcend your franchise for the next series of years, then what are you doing? And the other thing about it, what player would it take to make you do that? I mean, why are so many teams in Major League Baseball sitting on their hands right now? I mean, this would be the time, especially when the discussion was at the beginning of the offseason, Bryce Harper was going to look for $400 million. Manny Machado was going to look for $400 million. It was going to be $300 million plus just to have a discussion with either one of those players and their agents. Well, a couple months have gone by, and those crazy thoughts of $400, $500 million in regards to a contract have been thrown to the wayside. So you figure at this point more teams would be intrigued enough to want to meet with these players. And all you keep hearing is the market being so narrow for two very good players. They may not be considered the best players in baseball. I think we could have that discussion. It's fine. Should they be paid more than any other player that has played in baseball history before them? I think that's up in the air too. But that's not the point that I'm getting to. The point that I'm getting to is the fact that so many teams are just saying, hey, a player like that is out of our league. We're not even going to get involved in a discussion. Is it because they don't think a player like that can help their team? And you're going to see these half-assed teams that are going to come out there with assembled rosters as we get ready for spring training in Florida and in Arizona. And they're going to try to sell to their fan bases that they have a legitimate chance to compete. Compete for what? Because you're looking at players that it doesn't matter where your team is in the building process. You can talk about a team that's rebuilding. You can talk about a team that is expected to win the World Series this year and every year in the near future. Both of those teams, hypothetically, could use a player like Machado or Harper. And there's very few instances if you break down the rosters of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball where at least one of them would not be a fit. Once again, is it coming down to ownerships of Major League Baseball franchises being cheap? Or did he just not care? Because that's the one part of it that doesn't get discussed enough. Because you talk about the word tanking as it applies to sports. And it's, you know, it happens. It happens in every sport. You talk about the NBA, how teams are trying to get the number one pick. There's about five or so teams that suck in the NBA right now. And if you're a fan of any one of those teams, the games are kind of, I don't know, painful to watch. Because you know the rosters are so you know, stripped of talent. And the thought is, hey, they can keep losing games and maybe they get the number one pick in the NBA draft and a chance to draft Zion Williamson out of the University of Duke. You see baseball, the Marlins, just selling off all their players, saying, hey, we're going to stink for a while, but we're going to be good. Everybody's thinking about the model of the Houston Astros who lost 100 games in back-to-back seasons and were an absolute disgrace to baseball for about five years. And then they went out there and won themselves a World Series championship in 2017. We understand that that's a business model as it goes and it applies to the world of sports. 
But you're going to tell me that in Major League Baseball, out of the 30 teams, that there are only two teams that have any interest in Manny Machado and Bryce Harper? Like, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper would make any one of the other 28 teams better. Baseball owners right now, and front offices and organizations as a whole, are embarrassing themselves right now. And until there's more of a market for players like this, because if there isn't a market for players like this, I can't imagine players that don't necessarily have the ridiculous amount of talent that Manny Machado and Bryce Harper have will even get any play. So it's just it's frustrating to me. Because I don't care, you know, whether I'm, you know, whatever fan I happen to be or whatever fan you happen to be. That's not the discussion right now. I'm not talking about how he's a fit for any particular club. I'm just talking about the fact that there's more than two teams that could benefit for the services of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And even if it's a matter of putting out what you consider the best, your best offer, and have that player and that agent laugh at you, which they, they may. You know, they may say, you know, $100 million or whatever, $150 million, $200 million, that's all you're going to offer us. But at least you can give respect to that team that would have cared enough to say, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and make some sort of offer and have some sort of interest in this particular player. Because it's not like we're talking about players that are in their mid to late 30s or early 30s. We're not talking about players that want 10-year contracts that are going to get paid until the early part of their 40s. We're talking about players that are right set to enter the prime of their career. And we talk about all the knowledge that's out there in regards to Major League Baseball front offices, right? You got, you know, Harvard and Yale graduates, you know, crunching numbers. You don't think that there's any sort of creative formula that can be put out there and created to maybe propose to one of these players? And I talked about the beginning of the offseason when it came to Harper or when it came to Machado. One thing that could be very appealing to each one of these players is the possibility that they could, on their own you know, decision, become a free agent again in the latter part of their 20s. In other words, if they sign an 8-10 to 10 year contract, maybe they can make the decision that they want to walk away and test free agency again while they're still in their 20s. Now, history has shown that baseball teams have gravitated away from wanting to sign players like that to ridiculous contracts, but if that player is going to bet on themselves and think that they could transcend the sport to a point where it hasn't been transcended before and their game's brought up to a different level, then maybe they would bet on themselves. And if I was a team that says, hey, you know, 10 years and $300 million or 10 years and 250 to $275 million may seem like it's a little bit too much. Well, let me put an opt-out clause in there to give the players, and you're talking about players that believe in themselves, you talk about agents that believe in their players, in some cases more than the players believe in themselves. And if that's the case, you're at least putting a chance that maybe you're not going to be on the hook for that 8-10 to 10 year contract that you may sign this player to. That if that player decides to bet on themselves, they'll hit free agency again and then you can walk away and you don't have to have anything to do with that player and that contract again. But your window over the course of the next 3-4 years has been increased when you could go out there and win yourself a World Series championship or two. 
but that's the most frustrating part about this whole thing is that you know the NFL, what's great about the NFL is there's parity. Every team seems to be along the same lines when it comes to the salary cap. We can talk about some issues, whether it's the New York Jets or the Indianapolis Colts being so far under the salary cap. Like, you know, there's no salary floor set, so a team can decide that they have no interest in a particular offseason of free agents or wanting to add players to up the payroll of their team to get close to the salary cap number. Those are issues, and I think they do need to be brought up in, in good time. But in Major League Baseball, you have it set to where, you know, there just doesn't seem to be that energy to win. And I don't know if it's the television contracts. Maybe it's the television contracts that exist in Major League Baseball. The fact that so much money is thrown on and sent to these particular teams. That might be an issue. Maybe these teams are making too much money outside of winning. And maybe something could be proposed along the lines to increase a team's bottom line if they go out there and win themselves a World Series championship. Because it doesn't seem to matter to a lot of teams. They're getting their cable money. In some cases, they're getting their revenue sharing money. And what was supposed to be the most important thing, and that's to win, to compete, to put this team together to a point where it could be considered a legitimate World Series championship contender, doesn't seem to be a priority. And that the fact that it doesn't seem to be a priority starts with the ownership, goes on down to the front offices, and you talk about some changes. Yes, there have been some moves made in Major League Baseball where teams have decided to overhaul their front offices, but it doesn't seem like they're focusing more on winning right now. They want to build something that is going to sustain itself and be a winning franchise in the future, and you know what? The only thing that's going to be known about whether that's going to happen or not is time. You give the Baltimore Orioles time. You give the San Francisco Giants, I don't know, time. Maybe they can turn it around sooner rather than later. But any time that you bring in a new executive, a new front office, and have a new structure to it, you know, you, you, you do want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they could, you know, maybe overhaul their whole operations department and come up with a plan of what winning is supposed to be. Because in the end, that's what it's supposed to be about. And I'm very concerned that there's been a change enough in Major League Baseball that teams from the ownership level down don't care about winning as much as they used to. And it shows when you look at players like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper that are both 26 years old, entering free agency, the opportunity exists where they can help any team in a positive way for the immediate future and for the distant future. If you're rebuilding, you put a player like this in the middle of your lineup and you build the young pieces around it. And then when you're winning World Series championships down the road, you say the turning point was when I signed this big player. And how many teams are half-assing it this offseason? How many teams are sitting there kind of in the middle of the pack saying, hey, if everything works out, maybe we could steal a division title. Maybe we could get a wild card spot. Maybe we could play a little bit of postseason baseball in 2019. Since when was that good enough? You look at certain franchises that you know expect the World Series or bust every single season. And of course you're talking about the New York Yankees. And you're talking about, in some cases, few other franchises that expect competition and results to be on that high of a level. The New York Yankees didn't win a World Series last year. They won 100 games. 
They played in the American League Division Series against the Boston Red Sox. But you know what? That wasn't good enough. And there was nobody in that front office from the owner down to the last man on the roster. The guy on the 40-man roster that was getting a couple appearances in a game over the course of the regular season thought that was okay. Yet you got several teams in baseball that aren't even trying to put a competitive product on the field. You have a lot of teams that are in the middle of the pack that are just hoping that they can put up a banner. They're going to put up a freaking banner in their stadium to say that they won a wild card. And that's good enough. 2019 in Major League Baseball, that's good enough. If a team puts up a banner in its stadium and says that they made it to the freaking wild card. There's so many problems that exist with this. And I think from a monetary standpoint, teams are being rewarded for not winning. And unless there's a change to the game, unless there's a change to what can be compensated in regards to money, why are you only looking at a handful of $100,000 that go to each player that win a World Series? How come you're only looking at a certain amount of money that gets rewarded to a particular franchise as we hit the halfway point here in the past ball show? Just a reminder, brought to you by JohnPielli.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. So last point I want to make about this, and it's just going to pretty much piggyback off of everything that I just said. There should be a change in the game to reward the teams that win the World Series with more money. And you want to take all that extra capital and revenue that's been built up into the sport. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? And then those teams that are in the middle of the pack, owners that are saying, hey, it doesn't matter that we're not winning, we're still turning a profit, will look at the big picture and say, hey, if we win a World Series, look at what it could do from a franchise from a monetary standpoint. Because this is just ridiculous. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of the show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC, is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charge and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So I did want to do a little bit of a recap of the NFL games. I'm not going to go game by game. We're not going to talk about plays. We're not going to talk about scores. I said all along, past ball show is meant to, be, meant to not be time sensitive. So I'm not going to say, hey, you know, three to two was a score yesterday. I don't care about any of that. What I do care about is the possibility that we could have a little bit of a changing of the guard when it comes to uh, perennial teams that are expected to win. And the thought could have been coming into this particular weekend that the New England Patriots may have been on their way out. This may be the time where the torch was supposed to be passed from them to perhaps the Los Angeles Chargers. Maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. And Tom Brady and Bill Belichick still go out there and play ridiculous games at home, get the results that they need, and come out with a much-needed victory. So as we get set for the AFC Championship game, and later on in the week we're going to do an evening show, and that's what we'll do our NFL picks for Championship Sunday as we get ready, you know, six days from now. But the Patriots, once again... Outside of the area of New England and outside of those national New England Patriots fans, a lot of people that root for teams in the National Football League are just hoping to see something different. 
You know, those people that go out there and watch football maybe one game a year with their Super Bowl party. You know, when they make it more of a social event than it is about the actual game, they may care a little more about who's playing at halftime or any of the commercials or anything like that. Even they're probably tired of seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And, you know, the Patriots, just like every other team, got to earn it. They got to earn the opportunity to go back there. So, you know, when time passes, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady by, when years go by, and we look back and we say, wow, it's amazing that they were in the mix for as long as they were. It's amazing that as many things went right for them year after year as they did. It's amazing that they had the opportunity to play in at least eight Super Bowls, which is Something that we're probably never going to see again. We certainly never saw again before in the Super Bowl era. So the question is going to be, is there a team in the National Football League, whether it's in the AFC or the NFC, that has a chance to really build that type of momentum and get themselves not just to the Super Bowl, but the thought being that they could get themselves back. And the Kansas City Chiefs kind of fit that build up to a certain point. You look at Andy Reid, the head coach, and obviously a guy who's had a lot of success. He's probably a Hall of Fame coach, even though he's never won a Super Bowl. But what is Andy Reid the most known for? Well, he's known for not winning the big game. A big game's coming this Sunday when they play the New England Patriots at Arrowhead. Is this the time that Andy Reid finally wins that big game? And obviously he can only coach it up to a certain point. The rest of it has to do with the players that are on the field, the Patrick Mahomes, the Travis Kelseys, the Tyree Kills, you know, the players they got on defense, whether it's you know Ford, you know, or the you know guys they got up in the front there. You know, is it is it time that the Chiefs can grab the ball by the horns and maybe do something about it and beat the Patriots and move on and be a legitimate contending Super Bowl team? And the question's always going to be, and let's be serious, if you're a fan of any sport, when it comes to the big game, whether it's the World Series, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's the NBA Championship, or the Stanley Cup Finals, anybody that's in an inner circle in regards to a certain sport says what? Who's going to be the next team that won the World Series or Super Bowl or the NBA Championship or the Stanley Cup Finals? In other words... The rest of the sport is going to be compared to whoever just won. And for a while, the question has been, who is going to be the next example of the New England Patriots? But if another team outside of the New England Patriots wins the Super Bowl this year, the rest of the league is going to set themselves and say, hey, can we do it the way that they just did? And in Major League Baseball, can we do it the same way the Boston Red Sox did it? Can we do it the same way the Houston Astros did it in 2017? And it's going to continue to go on, so on and so forth. But what you want to see in sports is parity, certainly. But most importantly, you want to see some dominance. You want to see the team that, in the end, when they win it all, you could say that they really friggin' went out there, earned it, and deserved it. And if that's not the case, then you say, hey, that team was soft. That team's not going to go anywhere in the future. The next Super Bowl champion or the next you know, MLB World Series champion or NBA champion or Stanley Cup champion is going to be somebody else because this team lucked out and found some way to win themselves a championship. But I'm hoping when it comes to parity in the sport 
I want to see competitive games, but I also want to see who's going to be that next big team in the NFL, not just for this year, for the next several years. Because we already know what the Patriots have been. And you know what? If the Patriots can continue their run that they've had right now, get themselves back to the Super Bowl, maybe win the whole thing this year, good for them. Because you know what? Similarly to what I was talking about in regards to Major League Baseball and no teams or very few teams have any interest in signing a big impact player. In other words, telling their fans that they have no interest and can care less whether they won the World Series or not. You know what? You're looking at a sport in the National Football League where no other team has seized the moment. No other team has taken it away from the New England Patriots. And everybody can talk about the Los Angeles Chargers and the expectations that they were supposed to go to Foxborough and have a big performance and Phillip Rivers was going to get himself to the Super Bowl so he can say he's been in the same place as Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger have been. But that didn't happen. They didn't seize the moment. The New England Patriots did. So a team like this where a lot of people in sports and a lot of people that go to those Super Bowl parties and care more about who's performing at halftime and who, what kind of commercials are going to be up there, they say that they're tired of seeing the freaking New England Patriots in the Super Bowl every year. Well, tell the other 31 teams in the National Football League to step their game up and overtake them. Because the Patriots seem like one of the very few teams in the National Football League that year in and year out are going to get themselves in a position to win a Super Bowl every year. And the amount of teams in Major League Baseball that could care at all about winning a freaking World Series are, not, are very few and far between. So if I'm one of those five or six teams in Major League Baseball that really are going to go balls to the wall and do everything they can to win a freaking World Series, you know what? You hope they're in a the mix because they're at least trying. Just a reminder that Castrol provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. I did want to talk a little NBA because, you know, Blake Griffin returning to Los Angeles as an opposing player after obviously having a very good career with the Los Angeles Clippers, I thought it was an interesting story. You know, there was the report that the owner came out to shake his hand and Griffin turned away. Um, Griffin disputes that. I do think that there is some depth when it comes to a big-time player returning to a franchise that they started. Because the fans could be mixed, whether the player chose to leave on their own or whether that player was traded. If that player was traded in some cases, fans would have more of a tendency to care and still love and appreciate that player. If it's a matter of free agency and they chose to take more money to go play for somebody else, then in most cases, fans are going to have more of a negative vibe when it comes to that player returning. But it still doesn't hide what that player meant to that franchise for a series of years. Those same fans that are maybe rooting against that player, rooted for that player for many of years. There's a lot of Blake Griffin jerseys in the Los Angeles area by fans of the Clippers, and they still wear those jerseys today. So what I thought was interesting is this is always something that you could, you could discuss and think about. You know, what is the right way for a player to come back to a franchise that hasn't been there for a while? A player that is now wearing a different uniform that is returning to what you call home. You have that video tribute that usually goes up for players that had huge impacts on particular franchises. Those are nice to see. You know, the, fan, <clears throat> the fans that are there seeing that player again, 
can kind of relish in some of the memories when it came to that, came to that player. So Blake Griffin's case, you know, it's very good to see a nice video montage and tribute to him. But how is a player expected to treat that game? Because for Blake Griffin, he came in energized. He was fired up. The game obviously meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to him maybe to show that he could go out there and beat them and have a big performance and maybe make the Clippers think twice about trading him. But what is a player expected to do when they're no longer playing for a particular franchise, one in which they've spent a long time of their career playing for, and they go back? They're really, in some cases, it doesn't look like that player could win. They could embrace it. They could bow to the fans. You know, in some cases, they could, you know, handle the hecklers and maybe go back at them. It's just, it, you know, I don't think any individual can ever put themselves in a player's shoes. Because for years, if you are a star of a particular franchise, the fans love you. They adore you. They you know, wear your jerseys. They cheer for you. You are the face of that franchise. And all of a sudden, you're not anymore. So you can't go back if you're Blake Griffin. You can't go back to Los Angeles and make like you never meant anything to that franchise. You can't go out there and be, let's say, I don't know, you know, a heel. Let's say we're talking about, you know, the world wrestling entertainment you know, somebody that wants to, you know, in, you know, provoke the crowd in a negative way. This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know of no brand produced by any other brewer that costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces a taste, the smoothness, and drinkability. You'll find a no beer at any cost. Um, we've got a little time, so I'm going to throw out there to what I believe as January 22nd is coming up, it's going to be a big day in Major League Baseball where the Hall of Fame ballot is going to be released. The players that are going to get the call into Cooperstown from the Baseball Writers Association of America are going to be announced. And I do think it, it is, in spite of all the negativity that I can bring to it. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but my, uh, I don't know, my umbrage for the Baseball Hall of Fame continues to get a little bit worse and worse every day. And I'm disliking not just the museum, which includes memorabilia of players that are not part of it, but the whole voting process and the baseball writers and what they've done. And, you know, if you've listened to the show before, you know my statements. I've spoken about the whole of exclusion. What other sport, you know, goes out of its way? And even if these are all coincidences... What sport has the player that has the most hits in the history of its sport not in the Hall of Fame? What player? Ha what sport has the player that has the most home runs in the history of its sport not in the Hall of Fame? What player? Oh, I'm sorry. What sport has the player that has the most Cy Youngs, the most MVP awards, the players with the third and fourth highest batting averages for their careers in the history of the sport not in its Hall of Fame? What player has? What sport has? The players that have had the four highest single-season home run totals in the history of its sport, not in its Hall of Fame. So I digress from that because it's, I mean, it's just nauseating. I can't help but feel a buildup of vomit in my mouth when I'm talking about something that calls itself the Hall of Fame and is so excluding of what you consider the best players to ever play in its particular sport. So what I'm going to continue to do, and 
I'm sure there's a lot of people that have votes for the Baseball Writers Association of America. We've talked about the changes, right? Some of the old guard, some of the writers that may say, hey, I would never vote for a player that we'd even think for one second may have used steroids. Um, certainly not going to vote for a player that I don't, I don't like. That's, a one, that's one thing that bothers me. The Albert Bells and the Kurt Schillings of the world not getting a consideration, not getting any consideration or enough consideration for the Baseball Hall of Fame just because the media doesn't like them. I mean, that's another part of it which just drives me over the edge. So I think it's time, and I think we can get the help and the benefit from some of the baseball writers that are younger, some of the ones that had a chance to enjoy the game in the 1990s and the early part of 2000s, because I did. Obviously, I could trace baseball from a visual standpoint as far as being able to watch it day in and day out through the mid part of the 1980s. And obviously, there's fans that have followed the game for generations upon generations. Now, you go back to the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, and you know, so on and so forth. And all the players that were the best of those particular eras are honored in baseball's Hall of Fame. For the most part, Pete Rose isn't, Shoeless Joe Jackson isn't, Lefty O'Doul isn't. And there's a handful of other players that certainly belong in baseball's Hall of Fame based off of their accomplishments on the Major League Baseball diamond. But now you go to the late 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s. Of course, the time that was marred by what we like to call the steroids era. And you're seeing some players getting their due respect in baseball's Hall of Fame. The Greg Maddoxes, the Pedro Martinez, the Frank Thomases, the Ken Griffey Juniors. Now, they all played in the same era as these other players that we like to deem played in the steroids era. What's to say that none of these players ever did steroids? And is there, which I believe there absolutely is, and in more than one case, there's players that are in baseball's Hall of Fame that use performance enhancing drugs over the course of their career. So what's to say that it's okay for those that are in to have used, and those are being held out to continue to be held out. So my ballot for the upcoming Baseball Writers Association uh, uh, you know, Hall of Fame vote, which obviously doesn't count, certainly has to start by including Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Also has to include Manny Ramirez and Sammy Sosa. Includes Kurt Schilling. And note that I just mentioned five players that names are not Mariano Rivera, Edgar Martinez, and Roy Halladay. And it's interesting because I'm not saying that they're not Hall of Famers. And I'm certainly not going to turn it into a, wow, these would be the players that I would leave out. Because that's not true at all. But I do think that it's more important to clean up baseball's Hall of Fame. Which is missing... Some of it's players that should be in the Hall of Fame. So before we talk about Mariano Rivera being such a absolute Hall of Fame lock, Clemens got to get in, Bonds has got to get in, Ramirez and Sosa got to get in, and Kurt Schilling's got to get in. So that still leaves five more slots. One of them can go to Mariano. One of them can go to Edgar Martinez. One of them can go to Fred McGriff. And then the other ones can go to Roy Halladay and Mike Messina. And if I'm going to rank the 10 most deserving players on the Hall of Fame ballot, they would be Clemens, Bond, Schilling, Ramirez, Sosa, Rivera, 
Martinez, McGriff, Messina, and Holiday. And then other players like Gary Sheffield and Larry Walker and Billy Wagner will be right on the outside looking in. And you know what? If we can get those first 10 players in the friggin' Hall of Fame where they belong, we can start talking about Walker and Sheffield and Wagner. And once we get them in a Hall of Fame, we can start discussing the likes of Andy Pettit and Omar Vizquel and Jeff Kent and Scott Rowland and Andrew Jones and Todd Helton, who are players that cases can be made individually for their rights to be in a respective, in a respective Hall of Fame. But I don't understand why there's all these panel discussions and open discussions when it comes to all these different players when we're not talking about the ones that should be in. Because what is the Hall of Fame without the best of the best? It's got to be something that is has got to be extremely frustrating to any of the players that accomplished more than what some of these other players did that are being discussed. I don't want to hear any more discussion about Scott Rowland and Andrew Jones and Omar Vizquel. Not to say that they can't be Hall of Famers. Not to say that they never will be Hall of Famers. But more discussion should be had about whether this is going to be a hall of inclusion or a hall of exclusion. Because the cases that are made for these other players don't matter until you right the wrong of making sure the best of the best when it comes to Major League Baseball are put in its respective hall of fame. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in once again. This is the Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPielli.com as well. St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. We'll be back with you later on in the week, more like maybe, I don't know, an evening. But I'll throw that up there. I do want to thank everybody once again that tunes in, whether it's through Facebook Live, Periscope, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, any other way. Thank you for being part of my life. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.